0: Welcome to the Stories, Our Soul Food Podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees, I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road.
1: Welcome to Sass on this fine, uh, what is it, Wednesday? Wednesday afternoon. We're doing this a a little out of order. Yeah. Um, Last week, I was gone. You were gone. Earlier this
0: week. Yeah, MFA.
1: Yep. Yep. So today we're here. We're here and it's episode what? 116? I think so. Ish. I'm
0: over sure 100. Right. Welcome to episode over 100 under 150. Right. It's too low to keep counting again. <laughs> you know, we made it. Other people count, right? <sighs> Maybe they do. People who post will count for us. Yep. Um, And today, it's the time you've been waiting for. Is it? We're talking about Jesus Revolution. We're gonna mop up some of the MacArthur conversation. Talk about Jesus Revolution, and and even one more question about our uh, our athletic episode: puke or pass out? Our puke or pass out episode? Puke or pass out? That was the title we gave it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I made a kid vomit last night. (laughs) Oh, did they? Nice. Uh, Conditioning.
1: Yeah, and I was a little surprised actually. He was my nephew. Uh he was one of my track athletes. So he was in very recently in very good shape. But we're running up tempo. Uh we're we're moving to an up tempo offense in basketball. And so we're running a lot. And as we were all coming together at the end, you know, a little team break. He splattered all over the court and splashed to the whole
0: team. <laughs> I don't know, four or five guys definitely definitely got damp. <laughs> Well, I think that just goes to show you can <laughs> you can lose your conditioning pretty quick, yeah, or maybe you shouldn't just eat a very large meal right before practice, one or the other, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Michael Scott pounding
1: <laughs> one or the other so we're, we're gonna mop up
0: let's end with Jesus revolution, let's mop up the MacArthur and great, okay, so and, first for the puker pass out one since we're already into it um okay some some guy who's my age saying. I f- he f- that he feels the pain of not having been in organized sports, yeah, and is wondering. Obviously, we're not still playing organized sports. So the first year I haven't. There you go. So Nate has the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I played um, disorganized sports. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, it depends. I mean, I know.
0: Yeah, I played city
1: league um, up until this year when I was coaching, and it was like it had to be about the kids. Now, like I couldn't.
0: Yeah so I his couldn't question put that, is couldn't just put that in and he, just couldn't be a priority how does he work on that the uh what do you would describe it as the negative balance he feels that he has that he is thinking oh man i never got pushed in that particular direction is that something that he i mean in one way i feel like it's it's too late to start thinking that way I mean, yeah you can still push yourself physically. yeah
1: but there here's a little negativity and a little positivity all in one and it's a lot of people who play organized sports and got really pushed by coaches and so on have still haven't built the muscle to make themselves do it. Yeah. They've only built the muscle to
0: do it when somebody's yelling at them or yeah. blowing a whistle. And yeah, I remember you know, a lacrosse coach over and over saying, You think you're tough now. Right. But that's because I'm right here. Yelling at you. Yelling yeah. at you. No, you be my brother. Never do it. <laughs> yeah, my brother. Your brother-in-law. Being you a Marine, being an ex-Marine uh, lacrosse yeah. coach. He's like, You think you're cool, but you will never do this on your own unless you get your mind right. That's yeah,
1: and that's actually not a thing that the team can get you to. No. Yeah. You know, it's and that's one of the things I try to push my athletes on is what will you do on your own time? Yeah. And it's not only because the team will benefit the most, because you've invested in your own time. There's no point uh, at a high level of competition, you can't show up to the season and expect to learn stuff, you know, pick up skills or be in condition or anything like that. You have to show up ready, and you have mm-hmm. to have gotten ready on your own. And the, one of the reasons why I pushed that is just pragmatically, it improves the team. But in terms of lifelong lessons, it's somebody has to go do it in a gym by themselves when no one's watching, yeah. and the that ability is the har- is the hardest thing to pick up, right. and so. Plenty of people go through team sports and never get that ability. Plenty of most people go through team sports and don't get the benefits. They get the bickering, they get the selfishness, they get this, you know, they get all the, all the negative cultural aspects. So it's not like team sports are just some band aid that's going to fix character. They just won't. Yeah. You know,
0: mm, yeah.
1: There's, it provides an opportunity. It provides stress and pressure and an opportunity to, Grow as a
0: character, but no,
1: right. you don't have to. <laughs>
0: like right, I think that opportunity um, is a great word. Yeah, you, you use the conveyor belt of of pottery. The, yeah, going yeah the mugs that go past. You're trying to make it. Yeah, team yeah. sports is a great chance when you get a chance yeah. to t- take a lot of swings. But for somebody
1: who didn't get that, just know that the the baton of team sports has to be passed to the individual for the fruit to ever like arrive. If you can't go push yourself. And I'm—I mean, like at two in the morning when you have to get up and change diapers. If you can't push yourself when the the blizzard went, your husband the blizzard went and drifted your sidewalk over again, and you just shoveled it. You know, I'm talking yeah. about getting yeah. laid off and the whole family depending on you, looking at you, being like, "How are we going to eat?" Right. Like if you like, though, that's where those those things show up then in a way that matters, right? Yeah. So the ability to work out in the gym, yeah. is <laughs> And that right there has no value, uh, and actually, I'm overstating this, but it has no value in and of itself, yeah, because like, Paul says it availeth a little. Yeah right. <laughs> so it has a little yeah. value <laughs> so but the the point is it has value in that it equips you for the moments that that matter. right. That moment doesn't matter except for the fact that you're practicing to flake or practicing to follow through later. Yeah. You know, so it does avail a little. I don't. I don't disagree with the apostle, uh, but of itself, for its own sake, it doesn't. It doesn't have value for its own sake. It has value for all of the other aspects of life that that matter. So if somebody didn't get team sports, they can be like, "Man, I wish I'd gotten team sports," and I get that. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel that completely. But you can still step in and pick up. Where team sports would leave off, which right. is just the ability to make yourself go past your own threshold, right? To make yourself keep going when your when your body says, "Hey, I'm done now," yeah, and saying, "Nope, I'm actually gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go," yeah. and it doesn't much matter what that is. It can be chopping wood. Right. It doesn't have to
0: be. Or you know, how how many guys ran a lot during practices and have never. Yeah. Never done it again. You know, never done something physical like that again.
1: Yeah. And even when they do, they don't do it the way they did it in practices. They go jogging. Yeah. They go jog mileage or they do something that's slow and steady and you settle in. They don't do sprint circuits that make them vomit or
0: they- Okay. I haven't
1: done that. (laughs) Or they actually toggle into, you know, CrossFit culture, CrossFit community, you know, gym culture. I'm a gym bro now. And they get into that and they think it has value- for itself, for its own sake, and it doesn't have value for its own sake, right? Like it's it's supposed to make you the the value is making you more sacrificial, making you capable of of driving yourself into places where self preservation has no voice. Yeah, you know that self that yeah. self preservation that's that's it. You're training yourself to
0: um, to be able to throw away self preservation and to sacrifice yourself. Right. That's that's it. And, and it's and, really interesting that our gym bro culture. Is about the self because it's going yeah it's Instagram. exactly so it's peacocks yeah so you see guys who want to be strong
1: and that's great they want they want to maximize they want they want to be good stewards so want to maximize what God's given them yeah or they just enjoy it and that's
0: fine yeah it's fine I mean sometimes you got to lift a fridge and if you yeah. do it well <laughs> that's. Much better yep. than if you've got to call five guys to help you. Get the yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. So there's no, there's nothing wrong with enjoying lifting, enjoying working out. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing it for strength. There's nothing wrong with doing it for recreation.
0: Yeah. And we all but, coach because we f- right. think kids should.
1: Yeah, but it's there is something wrong with doing it for vanity, doing it for the yeah. for the you know, your plumage, your your peacocking. And guys who are peacocking are getting no benefit. It's it's actually it's kind of exactly like uh, praying on a street corner, you know, we can just look at them and say, you have your reward. You have flexed in front of the mirror mm. in the gym. Yeah. You have your reward. That's it. It peaked right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, looking back, I'm remembering one of my buddies, a, f- a sign of things going poorly was that starting to post selfies of himself after working out. And right. you can kind of watch. You as can- soon as that happens, you're like, okay, who's this about? Right and you start and then you see the doubling down that happens it's not that yeah. you can't post a selfie of yourself but that doubling down on selfie posting i think there you see where they're getting their reward and where the interest yep, is coming it. from it's the it's the compound yep. interest is on the attention and on themselves not on the the muscles yeah. and the and the gnarliest physical experiences i've ever had all happened with
1: one or no witnesses <laughs> it was like you know it's like there was one there's one time roofing my house the tar paper tore underneath me i was on the peak and i just went into a baseball slide down over a brick patio and it was a it was a two-story drop it was going to be something and the the sheeting was off and i successfully got two fingers in a truss and swung off the edge <laughs> like actually i was i was and no sore, one saw it. yeah It was like up <laughs> and then slam back down to the wall and climb back up and wow. I was no, I was not roped off, and OSHA, then, OSHA, not adrenaline, adrenaline level, and then the soreness and the strain. Like I, my pulled stuff in my fingers and my forearm, and it just, you know, it's like okay, that was. And I sat up there being like, man, <laughs> like, like <laughs> whoa, <laughs> um, but it's the the thing is now, it it would the response would be selfie. Like God is so gnarly. I almost just, you know, everybody. Yeah, I think you know, like yeah. join me, won't you? I just had a moment. Um, you know,
0: it's that'd be cool. I would listen to that. <laughs> 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 so I can't I guess I can't totally complain. <laughs> Instead, I had a conversation with God. Yeah. Let's just say
1: there was there was a prayer of Thanksgiving offered right. up there with my kids downstairs. Along with a question. My kids were
0: downstairs and my wife was making lunch and just like, I'm really glad I'm still here. This just, is I wonder why, you know, you're asking God, now why, let's figure out the lesson now so that I don't have to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a common prayer in my life. <laughs> uh,
1: but it, it is, all this to say is when you, when you exit a team sport or something like that, you've been given a lot of experience and sensation and things you can use or not use. Yeah. And, but you have to run with it afterwards. And the only value for life, lifelong value. Is the ability to to throw away self preservation and and make yourself sacrifice? Yeah, and that's um, something that an individual it's a theme can do. of our podcast. And that's yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. And that's and that's something that an individual can do without team sports, right? And that's something that somebody who's done team sports still has to do as an individual. So you're not like you you haven't been given an advantage, right? But you still are just learning, you yeah. know, what everybody else is learning as well, right? <laughs>
0: And I sit here having not worked out and felt really well. Yeah, but here's here's the thing. This is this is a great quote from your dad too. Yeah. So that yeah. this this is he he talks
1: about. It. Yeah, he does. Uh, he he covered it really well. When you have played a lot of sports and when you've been athletic, sometimes the more sacrificial thing to have to do is stop. Oh, I'm going to use that. <laughs> no, I'm I mean, it just but this just yeah, absolutely yeah. the truth. Yeah. And it's and it actually it dings your vanity, it dings your pride. Like yeah. your, your body is, you know, experiencing entropy and decay yeah. and, and you are, now it's not to say that it's just impossible, but there are periods of time and there's, there's phases of a dad's life when he absolutely is sitting here looking at a choice of making himself feel better right. and look better or be more present for rug rats playing T-ball in the backyard. Yep. And it's, There are times, it's not always, it's not always an either or, but there's just times when a dad actually has to sacrificially have a dad bod. (laughs) Like it's that, that is actually, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, he's not doing that dad bod for himself. Plenty of, plenty of dad bods are just the result of living for oneself, you know, and selfishness, but there's, there's ways in which going and being in the gym and just grinding all the time to make sure you stay super fit there's there's ways in which that can be really un, unhealthy and self-centered but honestly and I'll I'll just put a bow on it this way we are humans and we're capable of screwing up every single way we yeah, go if you aren't, if you aren't exercising it can be laziness and everything else if you are it can be vanity and self-absorption we're capable of turning any virtue into a vice really right. quickly right um so to say, yeah, I I am sacrificing by being here with my kids and not yeah. lifting. That's super easy to say when the harder thing would be to go, <laughs> you know, it's like go exercise. We're capable <laughs> yeah. of. I mean, we basically, can. Re- yeah, we're we're dudes. We're sons of Adam, and we're capable
0: of screwing yeah. this up no matter which way we go. So, yeah, it's funny. Paul says so. Just go exercise. Screw it up. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know that one works. Can't screw up that one because I could say,
1: man, if I put in the same amount of time I'm putting into coaching, if I put that into my own fitness. I would be in so much better condition. <laughs> but here's the thing. If I wasn't coaching, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, would, I would put it into writing and reading. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it would, it would be mental. So I could say it's, yeah, I'm sacrificing for the children. But the truth is. Imagine how cut I would be. Yeah, just if, if I was cut. <laughs> and that's, and that's kind of how it works. But hey, I've got weights outside my office now. So no excuses. You're right. Hashtag. Something something I can look at. Yeah. And say, hey, wait, as I walk into my office. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Next question. Couple yeah. questions about our MacArthur yeah. Gospel of Winning episode, which was phenomenal. Which was phenomenal. I'm pretty sure it was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is from a mom saying she was wondering how we thought about honoring fathers and understanding proper authority fits into. Uh, our MacArthur discussion, and she's she's saying, I think because as she's saying, as a mom, I hear you saying, not be an easy person to like, like don't be the person who fits in perfectly, and here's that, uh, just just you know how how do I adjust to that and have my son not be an easy person to fit in but also is still someone who like, how do they interact with the dad? How do they interact with authority? So I guess she's hearing us say, be difficult, teach your son to be a person who's got edges and still balance with a kid that you want to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Okay. This is, I'm I'm wondering what we talked about. (laughs) Right. I think mostly it came from, we had the discussion about school and how easy why boys are often institutionally not friendly. Yep. Girls are institutionally friendly. How does that, how does that jive? And we were saying, yeah, that's good. You don't want to that tendency in a boy to not be institutionally friendly is something you should nurture rather than something you should quash. Yeah. But it's the, uh... or maybe we need to just re-clarify that whole
1: episode. (laughs) No, I think it was perfect. (laughs) I I remember it. Not at all. So it must've been perfect. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I, I would say that, if I understand the question correctly, the the goal is to teach boys to be respectful and to have self-control, and actually, I do remember this. I remember you jumping up and down on that. Um, self-control is absolutely essential. Without it, you're done, you're destroyed. yeah, but you don't want uh, you don't want adolescent children. To it's okay if a toddler is worried. Hey, if I get out of my bed and sneak out of my room, if they have fear of dad. Yeah. Like that's fine. Yeah. But you don't want a 15-year-old to have fear of dad. You don't want a 16-year-old to have fear of dad. You want them to have respect for dad. And why do they res and ideally dad is respectable? You know, that's the ideal situation. It's easy to respect dad. But ultimately, we give people respect because we fear God and that's it. You know, we we control ourselves and we honor our fathers and our mothers because we fear God. Yeah, not because we fear them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when we honor the government, it's not out of fear. You yeah. know, the the ruling authorities. It's it's uh, because we fear. Well, it is out of fear, but only That's for God. Rightly ordered authority. Yeah, it's only yeah. only for God, and God wants me to be submissive here, so I am submissive here. Because right. like all all submission is ultimately to God. This goes. This is incidentally this is in marriage too so they a woman who's following her husband's leadership is not doing so because he's so magnificent she's yeah. doing so because to do so honors her father in heaven like yeah. and that it's god's desire and he says i will bless it here's the cheat code like do right. this and i will bless you and um and so you're you're doing that out of obedience to god you're not you're not doing it out of some uh, you know, fear of his anger or frustration or anything like that, if it's a healthy relationship. Yeah. So with with boys especially, you want them to be intelligent, strategic, fearless, but they have to have a bridle on uh, that they have access to. You know, they have to be able to self-govern, self-regulate. They have to have that self-control. Uh, and I think this this comes from And it can be instilled by parents one of two ways. And I think the the bad way is whenever moms especially, but dads do it too, whenever whenever humans do it, whenever moms try to discipline based on how the behavior made them feel is horrible. Mm, Like this is and I've I see this all the time. Yeah. You know, this just pains me, this hurts me, this grieves me. Like, don't you know how this makes my life hard? you tore up my daffodils that took me all Saturday afternoon i'm upset cuz cause it causes me mm-hmm. uh more work instead of like seeing the opportunity to pull the weeds in this little kid you know and work for this little kid's sake actually sit down and and run scenarios and what happened how how this happened and get the discipline rightly ordered and completely away from your own hurt feelings
0: and your own emotions right. cuz what you actually taught the kid is that in a situation of stress, I look to my own feelings yep. to regulate. And and the thing to worry about is how mom
1: feels, not right. what is God's standard and how do I honor God. And so, showing your kids how you honor God with your self-control yeah. is, I mean, that's the most important thing. So, when they do the thing that should infuriate you and yet you have the... Like, you have the brakes, you have the bridle on your own emotions, and you are not infuriated. Mm. Like, you're able to address the situation having completely removed the variable of your own emotional reaction. Like, how you are emotionally reacting to the situation is irrelevant to the whole thing. Now, that's really hard to do, but that is the the best way. So, if you want them to have self-control, you have self-control. And you don't ever put your emotions in authority over them. Like, yeah, ever. Mm, uh, that's great. Because if you do, you're showing them that they're an authority over you as well. And why wouldn't they have their emotions, you know, in authority, how they, they'll, they'll start to pattern their behavior with siblings and friends the same way, governing, regulating, controlling people via hurt feelings and emotional reactions and, and so on. So it's really important that parents have that self-control, that teachers have that self-control, that administrators have that self-control. That that they control themselves. They are never sitting down, being stern and upset with somebody. You have upset me, and so you're in trouble. Mm. But, you know, yeah. it's like yeah, this is. Uh, you know, I had a my uh, kid flicked some water through the back of a tent at a track meet. Uh, this like you know, not a lot of water, but walking by the back of a track meet tent, flicked it between two panels and hit some you know opposing athlete with some drops of water. He went by uh my son was there when it happened and i made the two of them run an extra 400 meter uphill we did a mile of uphill sprints and they had 2000 meters Mm -hmm. um you know because but we ran scenarios like okay so just like think before you act how's this go What, what what happens if somebody walks by your tent and flicks water on one of your teammates how should you have responded so you're inviting other people to respond this way it could turn into this whole escalating mm. you know situation yeah. so we discipline but we we also scenario it like what are you asking for what are you inviting what do you actually want like you were bored and so you made a dumb decision and we and we discipline that right uh but i did not get upset i did not talk about how that makes me look i did not talk about how that reflects on me the coach mm. i did not talk about any of that I didn't get my emotions involved it was just let's be really clinical about this what could have happened what should have happened if it happened to one of your teammates you know how and and let's scenario this learn from it and then let's actually mark the moment with some physical pain running up the sill so you remember yeah. <laughs> like this is you know but none yeah. of this is like come on you know yeah. it's like I'm not yeah. I'm not upset um that way my my own emotions now i will get on people i will get on athletes i will i will I, w- I did last night but when i do that i'm only doing it when i'm looking at it and thinking man what these guys need right now is a coach will yell at them and and tell them how weak they are mm. you know it's like they that's what they need from me this is what will benefit them it's not because i have this baking soda volcano of emotions and i have to let it out Right. So it's not it's not me expressing yep. my emotions, it's me calculating right what I am in their lives right now and how I can help them break through this moment.
0: And and, and then, mom. yeah, and then as a as a as a father, watching your son push back with a good objection or an interesting contribution, yeah. that's not the thing we're talking. I mean, that's great. Uh, you love the iron sharpening iron. It, yep. You can tell when your kid's mouthing off yeah. versus when your kid is like, "Now dad, you said this, but how does that balance with this thing yeah. over here? The
1: other thing is, especially with boys and moms, um, when they want and there's a real slippery thing that happens where the kid ends up sitting in the judgment seat and mom has to convince them and they can sit there and say, I don't understand. You have to keep working. Like I don't see it. I like <laughs> and then and arguing and so on and we mom, have
0: to have a whole episode
1: about yeah, we'll kids do that. at the driver's seat. Yeah, but seat. not a, today. Put a pin but... in that. But that's mom mom can get sucked into like trying to convince Johnny, <laughs> like trying to make Johnny want to do something. Don't make Johnny want to do it. Johnny's just got to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's it. And you, it's very much like you can talk to your dad about it later. Like yep. you can ask dad when he's home, but right for now, yep. we're not having this conversation and you're just doing it Yeah, and you're doing it because your mom told you to, and God says to obey your mom. So that's your logic. Do you understand that much? Do you under do you have you know they might get all Cartesian and get into epistemological yeah. uncertainty and other things? I don't know that you're my mother. <laughs> um, but that's it. they're the kind of kid that I was, but it's <laughs> but uh, in that in that syllogism, like let me explain for you the situation. I'm your mother. I told you to do this. God wants you to obey your mother. And if you want to understand more about why I'm telling you this, you can talk to your dad later. Yep.
0: And just or on, but ask don't... me after you finish the task. Yeah, exactly. That's... We'll talk about it when it's neutral. Yeah, after the fact, we'll talk. Miraculously, it. the desire to talk about it often yeah. <laughs> disappears <laughs> yes. after the room is clean.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But again, mom really, really carefully avoid trying to leverage how you feel about the moment into action, especially from your sons. That's great. Don't do it. Okay, anyway, that's not that, That's the MacArthur question. Was parenting?
0: Yeah, it. it... Yep. Yep, it was. Okay. We have another okay. MacArthur question, but I don't know that we have time. Let's at least throw a rock at it while we're okay. in So, uh, I grew um, – listening to the MacArthur episode, Gospel of Winning. I grew up on Narnia, so I'm wondering about your argument that from a storytelling perspective, post-millennialism is, post-millennialism is the only winning way that works. What would you say about The Last Battle's way of telling the story? It seems like a very compelling story to me. It's not. But
1: it's uh, – it's really good at this at the scene and chapter level mm-hmm. but in terms of eschatology, he's just trying to end his series and close off the possibility of any sequels. So <laughs> the world ends, so in a seven book series, we go from the creation of the world to the ending of the world, and how much you know how many dynasties did we have <laughs> how many it's a, it's such a you know it's a fruit fly kingdom. It's a little fruit fly hmm. uh, universe there and is not uh, allegorically connected. Now, in terms of the character work and, and a lot of the stuff in The Last Battle, I really love it and I love the, the picture of heaven and the resurrection, but I don't think uh, it's his strongest and I would say that it is his weakest of, yeah, me of too. the series. And I think that- Not because I hate it, but- Every eight-year-old who's ever read the series knows that. Right. You know, that this is this is the weakest one because of the way it it closes off.
0: Yep. So uh, and Tyrion and Jewel being such cool characters and then amazing, the failing, yeah. or I guess I think that is yeah. the way that he's set up their storyline is a is a failure. Yeah,
1: but it also didn't have to be. It's a it's all winnable, mm. and they just lose anyway. Uh, which is like okay, the resurrection's great, the Escaton's great, but Narnia was lost and destroyed. Yep. So. And, and it was like he was done now. <laughs> like it's yeah. He yeah. just he tied it off and that was it. And um, plus, again, if we're
0: buying our theory. It's Saturn, right? So yeah, the End if, of th- which I don't care about. But that. it makes it's sense. sense. <laughs> 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 um. By the time he wrote that one, it might have
1: been his plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah under but the, anyway, yeah. But it's it is not the it is not the best,
0: and yet you will gain a ton from reading it. Sure. It also it's, opens with that awesome sort of beast fable, the shift puzzle beast fable, which yeah. goes on for far too long, but is still something that you refer back to regularly. Yeah. I, the Last Battle to me is like an amazing meal served at the wrong time of day.
1: It's good. You know, it's like, it's 11 a.m. and Look at this amazing dinner I've made. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Like it's just, you know, just let's, yeah. it's just out of, it's out of sync a little. But it is still pretty magnificent and all the, you know, the page level craft
0: and character work. So, yeah. So, uh, are you saying it would be a better book if it had a better ending? It'd be a better series mm. if the last battle was completely reconstructed. Nice. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> we threw a rock at it and we ran past. We will hear yelping, but. Uh, will we? I think so. I think a lot of people like the last battle. I'm not sure why. I like the last battle. A lot of people think. I don't dislike it. It just. You just said Narnia could be better though. Yeah, I did. I did. (laughs) Let me me actually
1: even rephrase. Much better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, perfect. Here we are. You guys have been waiting long and patiently for a, a lamp on. But I've not been long and patient on this. I've been impatient. I've been impatient and scoldy. Nate has gone above and beyond to try and make this episode. And yet similar to Narnia, it ends in failure. Although not because we're about to have the episode now.
1: (laughs) No, we're (laughs) succeeding. I just wanted to have John Irwin on to talk about it. And John Irwin is, uh, well, John, what should I say about you? (laughs) He's flaked on me incredibly on this one. There you go, John. I, let's say he's difficult to motivate to appear on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the motivation has been there. It's just that he's got other things to do. Every time we've had him scheduled, you know, like that's it's just the nature of it. He's shooting a lot of aliens. He's in that really intense part of the video game where the aliens are all coming out mm. from every corner. So when you pencil in the podcast, and he's like, "Yes, I'll do it. I'll do it." And we do it. You know, we schedule him like five, six times. Mm. Every time it it comes, the moment comes. There's some alien trying to trying to squeeze the life out of him. He has to deal with. So, so I can't really hold it against him, but well, we can, I'm going to,
0: I'm going to, Mm. you may, perhaps you should. I'm I'm going to tell him
1: at least he, he owes me somehow, but we can, we are freer to talk about it now. And I want to, what I wanted to really emphasize is the, the need to assess things, uh, based on their, uh, their highest and best use and, and what their intention is like what they exist for. And so it's, it's interesting to talk about Jesus revolution in terms of faith film. Yeah. Like it, this is a faith film in the faith market. And what is a faith film? What makes a, like we all kind of know, but what makes it a faith film? What makes it not a faith film? Yeah. And um, the craft of this one is really interesting because jesus revolution is incredibly slow yep and yet pulls you right in and you you know you ride along in this really interesting moment in time and get to see the weirdness of the whole you know the whole moment and then also to kind of realize that it never it changed our country and then didn't stop it's not like it all went away yeah you know, all these churches, all these large churches are are the downstream fruit of this moment, including our own,
0: you know. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I just went to the memorial today of a guy who was, yeah. you know, Larry Cernick was doing these, the Jesus yep. Revolution thing in Oregon. Yep. <laughs> he was a pastor at one of these. And so it's interesting to, yep. to be in that story still. Yeah, we're still here. and You know, uh,
1: our church was in a body shop. You know you go in uh, the deacons or who probably didn't have any deacons the guys who got there first would hose the floor down there'd be frogs going in the corners of this big place and we had church in the body shop Uh, and we'd have church in the park we'd have church wherever you know the pastor peaced out one week and my dad was stuck up front with a guitar you know having led the music and that's how my father became a pastor is because the pastor bolted and yeah. In classic zero structure chaos of the Jesus people movement. And the next <laughs> Sunday, nobody else was up front. So my dad just had to preach because he was still up there with the guitar. And he kept trying to find other guys to do it and uh, failed to find anybody else to do it. And is still the pastor of that church, which is now birthed a denomination. You know, yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of remarkable or helped birth. It was, you know, I think, I think it's, well, I can say, birthed it. Birthed the denomination. We're talking um, about churches birthing, so yeah. That's acceptable. You know, it's um, and then and then the educational movement that came out of that, everything else, the schooling that I received, that everybody who's done any classical Christian education received, that all came out of the work in that one body shop hippie church, and so it is really interesting to see this moment in time, uh, told really well and patiently, but in a, you know, in a in a very forward moving it's not like it stagnates it moves forward and it carries you really well through the film but it's not in a rush you know it, yeah. it does it it does it patiently and it's definitely kind of malik informed you know in terms of what terrence malik does in tree of life and other things where you know trying to create uh mood and impressions with really uh you know weirdly lit or gauzy or you know blown out shots or or things like that
0: Non, also non-realistic, like his baptism scene. You know, where yeah. all of a sudden we pop to a different yeah. place and time. Yeah, um, yeah, that felt very Malick as well.
1: It's it's impressionistic in yeah. what it's trying to do, but it's impressionistic realism and, and sticks closer to realism than Malick does. Right. But what you know, the way Malick uh, represents memory, you know, yeah. like and uh, the the impression of moments that have passed, you know, the yeah. impression of moments from years before is, is definitely kind of informed the palette of that film, but in a far more commercial and effective way. So it's kind of like taking the strong flavors from, you know, somewhere and, and, uh, in, introducing the spices to a culture that doesn't actually, uh, isn't familiar with them.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, as, as far as faith films go, there's something that you usually go to and feel underwhelmed afterwards. Yeah. But we, Christy and I watched this one and Christy thought, well, I think this is probably the best Christian movie I've seen you know yeah. just as a faith film it's just let's have more of that
1: yeah like, and if i was going <laughs> to say if i was going to try to find a better christian quote unquote christian movie a better faith film it'd be chariots of fire
0: and and that's great company for *Jesus yeah, Revolution*. you know it's right? like that's
1: chariots of fire jesus revolution are, are right up there and then but that then begs the
0: question of what is a faith film because we've before said spirited away is the best christian movie it's so animated. best, yeah, Christian Come animated. on. man, Come on. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, I'm totally mixing that Don't up. Don't <laughs> hold me to stuff like that. Um, you're stuck in my. Let mind. me pop off and not be yeah. accountable and not be accountable.
1: Hold on. <laughs> yeah. um, so, it's in this case, like what do you think it is that makes a movie a faith film?
0: I mean, uh I th- I think we'd have to say that the gospel becomes a focus of the film. It is the motivating or animating theme of the film, right? So personal evangelical salvation, and that becomes an animating feature of the characters. So Chariots of Fire, Little, and his decisions are driven by his faith. Yeah. And it's the movie's about that and contrasted with a man who doesn't have that. Yeah, but gets it. But uh, the Abraham guy. Yeah, Abram, yeah. Yeah, Abram. Um, so I think, and then, and then it's easier with Jesus revolution because it's all about th- two people, three people, well, two people finding the gospel and a third person re- reconnecting with her dad. So, yeah.
1: And I will say this about chariots of fire, cause I don't know that we've talked about it before, but we'll, we'll throw it here. And I know it's been talked about is chariots of fire. A lot of people just miss it. They think it's a sports movie about one guy who was a Christian, one guy who wasn't. But Harold Abrams is on this Ecclesiastes journey of trying to matter. He's, you know, he's bitter, he's angry, he's, he's full of resentment. And that's his drive. He's got this Michael Jordan drive to be the fastest, to be the best. And it's, I took that personal, I'm offended, I'm hurt. It's, it's that kind of rage that he's built that enables him to run really quickly, but then there's this guy who's also wicked fast. And is is one of the best in the world, and is just joyful. He's just happy, and so the competitor uh, who is driven by fury and resentment, you know, that's that's the, you know, that's the fuel he's putting into his tank, versus the guy who is feeling God's pleasure and running from joy and doing impossible things, like just yeah. really accomplishing impossible things. We tell that story, you know, we follow that story, and most people don't pick up on the fact that this is a conversion story. Mm. You know, because they they don't show Oh, I remember you talking about this. Yeah, they don't they don't show it, but we do open at Harold Abrams' funeral, and he's having a Christian funeral in a church, and he's a Jew. So the rest of the story we see this frustrated, like really highly motivated, high achieving. Uh, Jewish character next to this joyful, playful, exuberant Christian character, and we have all the friction of their dynamic when we follow these two threads. But the the film has started with an announcement of the resolution, and it's subtle enough that most people miss that fact that yeah. this is I, I this is like the that story that. of the cause of Harold Abrams' conversion. Mm-hmm. You know, the cause of his conversion is, uh, his, just insatiable drive for greatness that actually only gets him ash. You know, he doesn't, it's just ash. It's nothing compared to what this other guy has next to him. And so that's why I I slot Chariots of Fire there. But I can understand it's kind of like saying Die Hard's a Christmas movie. It creates all sorts of, uh, you know, it creates all sorts of issues. And so the argument that Chariots of Fire is not a faith film is very practical and is simply The fact that it was not marketed as such. Right. And a faith film, as far as the world is concerned, is simply a choice made by executives of whether or not to try to motivate the movie-going public based on faith loyalties and faith curiosities to come to the theater. It is a marketing decision.
0: Not so much the content.
1: Not so much the content. Because the very same people going to the movies also go watch Marvel movies. They also go watch other movies. It's a, it's a marketing decision about how to lever and motivate. And so the content of the film has to basically reach a threshold that enables that lever. Yeah. And that's just the practicalities. Like how it's marketed... And so you need to have things in there that, that will do that. I've I've been lectured by uh, secular executives on how my stuff needs to have more explicit conversion scenes and things like that, or else they won't market it as a faith movie. Um, then I'm the believer talking to a secular infrastructure. You know when they're right uh, when they're when they're pushing that. So my stuff is not. I don't write Christian, like I don't write Christian fiction. Like in scare quotes, yeah. I'm a Christian who writes fiction. Now, when Le- Lecrae says that about rapping, everybody sees him trying to distance himself from something. The, but the thing is, I'm actually just trying to make good, wholesome food, which means the architecture is Christian. But the marketing lever is not. Yeah. The, the, the marketing tag is not, hey, this is a Sunday school class. And so, it's therefore not Christian fiction, even though it is written by a Christian and is consistent with Christian themes and values and virtues and all that kind of stuff. So, if we're getting into what makes something um, actually a faith film, as far as we're concerned, uh, I I think something that actually with the film itself is tackling the themes of conversion and gospel. Mm -hmm. And – and so it's kind of like I, I recently had a conversation with a uh, CEO of a of a well of a streamer uh, about this exact thing, and i my comment was that if you're trying to feed the faith market, just realize that communion is great, but every meal doesn't have to be communion. In fact, there's three a day for the rest of the week that aren't communion
0: like it it matters, but don't just try to. So we don't have to have every single that's why I, when I was an, trying to answer your question, evangelical feels like the answer. Does the movie feel evangelical? That like yeah. good news coming to repentance and that. But even there, if the
1: movie if the movie feels evangelical or if the movie itself has the agenda of evangelism, that's actually all that's deep in the faith market, right? Yeah. Will, okay. By the time you're trying to evangelize or whatever. But if you're actually If the movie itself and the way screenplays work is very early on in in the movie, there's going to be a statement, a theme normally, and that theme is debated and explored. And it's debated and explored like throughout. If the movie itself is an exploration and discussion, you know, debating themes of, uh, you know, Christian theology, conversion, regeneration, the gospel, Mm -hmm. you know, God's work, you know, in this world, then I think you have a faith film. It's right. like if the, if the actual like substance discussed. And so Jesus revolution is, is really a question of the, is this for me? Is this for everyone? Is this, what is the gospel? What does it do? Uh, and, but it's, it's also an exploration of a moment in history, a moment in time. Yeah. But that moment in time was defined by this, uh, you know, this amazing revival moment that was kind of out of control and unruly and weird, Mm -hmm. Um, unbathed and, and uh, a little bit strung out. (laughs) (laughs) So I I really enjoyed the film and I thought it was really, really well made because it was honest in its exploration of what the gospel did in this moment. It wasn't a rah, rah pep rally. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, it actually, you know, explored messiness and brokenness and, Um, but still represented the you know the new birth as as the solution you know it wasn't trying to be secular in its perspective but it also was was honest right um in its exploration it didn't and, have and really well fake, crafted yeah the fake yeah.
0: gloss that sometimes you have of where all the good characters are super good and all the bad characters are bad and we keep those sidelines the whole way through yeah. I, I like the realism there i mean it also made sense why it was so popular as it is the story of three different kids getting back together with their parents and yeah. the parents don't come out looking terrible and neither do the kids <laughs>
1: yeah the, the, <laughs> the parents were broken
0: right you know the parents were broken in different ways the
1: kids were broken in different ways and there's, there's and gets, different restorations
0: yeah and it gets restored at the end which i can see why at, people heading into this are expecting you know i uh, what's her name the uh Ka- kathy's kathy's dad you know, you're expecting. No, no, sorry, that's the mom. Oh, now I'm mixing my names up. It's been too long. Yeah, no, Kathy, Kathy and her dad. Yeah. So, uh, Greg's yeah. Greg's girlfriend. Um, you expect the dad to be kind of a paper cutout, like, "Hey, stay away from my daughter. I want you to, you know, yep. and just a real loser." But it turns out there actually is a little depth they try to explore behind yep. him. And he was probably the least
1: explored of the of the parent right. figures, but correct, but still.
0: Uh, still great. I just remember you know, being surprised because I'm so used to that Disney trope yep. of the dad who, Rah. you're like, you're, yeah, why are you visiting I'll, these I'll concerts? I'll show you. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then you realize, oh, he's worried about his daughter overdosing. <laughs> rightly. Rightly yeah. worried. <laughs> yeah. He's rightly worried. Right. Um.
1: And it's, you know, I, I think the film was fantastic, but there's no, there's no question of it being a faith film. Right. And I think that a faith film is a, you know, we already talked about genre, but I think a faith film, hitting the threshold of faith film, it tends to be one of the cheapest and worst genres. Yeah. It tends to be bad because all you're trying to do is hit a threshold that enables you to lever the the devoted base. And so... Manipulated. Yeah, if you... It's interesting because they cared about the quality of the film as opposed to caring about hitting a threshold of faith, interest, sufficient to have a big marketing machine tell everybody, you have to go watch this now. Right. And that's normally what it is. It's just, it's kind of, ex- it's really exploitive.
0: It's kind it of It feels like it. And I've been burned enough that I would never go watch this movie. I haven't been burned. I've go avoided ahead. them. Oh, you <laughs> <Like go. it's, laughs> you, knew you know, you me. watch a trailer. I and just, just head like, into it. I'm, <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm not going to watch this. This is because yeah. I'm being levered by my, my bonds of you have to watch this. Yeah, you know, if you're a conservative, you have to watch this political documentary. I'm not going to watch it. If you're a Christian, you must support this endeavor. You know, send a message to Hollywood. We need more faith. Felt like, right? You know, just stop. You know, yep. if, if that's the marketing campaign, I'm just yep. not interested. Yep. Um, and that wasn't the, you know, that wasn't the story of the story here. It was a, it's a different, different kind of push. And I really admired that it was not made on any kind of faith film formula and faith film formulas very much exist. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't following that. And it was a three pointed exploration of, of kid and parent, you know, these, these three different, but it's also all set in this moment of time, which is about a revival and is about people seeking truth. And and in this bizarre moment when the spirit was moving.
0: And overlapping it with the hippies. Yeah. Taking the hippies and saying, now they had a point Yep, they had a point. So let's explore. I, yep. I just thought it was very honest to a lot yep. of people's motivations, um, even down to the level of, you know, you're watching what Lonnie Frisbee does and thinking, man, that guy's weird. Yeah. And then the movie's like, yeah, he's weird. Yeah. You know, uh, honestly, you know, yep. saying yeah, it would be difficult to work with Lonnie for longer than four, <laughs> than four years <laughs> or however yeah. long it was. No, I guess way short. It'd be a little, of. a little, a little tough, right? But
1: yeah, it's it's a really well made film, and I think the. We struggle as, as, okay, so we're both involved in content creation, right? We're, We're both involved in wanting to put out more quote unquote Christian content in the world, but we need to back off of that because content does not repent and cannot be baptized. You know, it's like the question is, do we put just simply wholesome meals in the world? Yeah. Do we put food on the plate that is... Uh, from god will edify will build people up and and uh and be healthy for them like will in fact be a good and inspiring meal it's it can be wednesday lunch and be made by christians with the intent to glorify god to feed people to serve people to motivate and inspire people Mm -hmm. and not be sunday morning like we can have great content made by christians in fact most of it should be yeah I think the ratio should probably be pretty similar to the ratio of life. Now I know I've I've got friends who are busily going to mass every single day, you know, and I I understand the theological underpinnings for why they get pulled into that need, uh, but we don't actually need that level of rhythm. It's like we do need to eat thrice daily, under normal circumstances, like through the week, and at at the very least we then need to go worship and be fed. You know, it's like there on Sunday. Now, should the word be present through the rest of the week? Absolutely. We should be Christians all week, living out our faith all week. But I can tell you a fantasy story about, you know, it could be 100 cupboards or whatever, about this boy lost in the cupboards in this battle with ancient evil and everything else. And it doesn't have to boil down to a Sunday school moral. It just has to be built on truth, goodness, and beauty in a way that
0: actually imitates what God does. People are used to Canon Press publishing Christian content, but... When you move into our fiction, it's not faith fiction. Yeah. I think we maybe have one or two that you'd count. I don't even know that we do. Like, do we, what, what would you say? I guess is, Kill the Dragon is the only one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that,
1: but yeah. that's that's kind of allegorical.
0: Right. So, you I know. don't know that it, yeah, yeah. And so, we've actually had a lot of people up, not upset, but questioning, hey, why does this movie or why does this book not do the faith thing? Why right. isn't there a conversion? And well, I let's, know let's, you have. I've had, I've I've had in customer service emails defended Nate's books nah. before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As, it's
1: actually it's funny because out in the world, when I was you know gallivanting around promoting books with Random House, there's this weird mix of getting attacked for being too Christian and getting attacked for not being Christian. Mm-hmm. Like I've had the hard fundies really get upset at me and come after me and try to boycott me because it, my books aren't quote unquote Christian enough. Uh, and then I've had the left run really strong campaigns to try to get me canceled before cancellation was even a thing. It's like one of the reasons why I went all in on Canon Press way back in the day was to try to build a cancel-proof infrastructure where I could continue to write and, and produce yeah. if I need to when eventually I am just banned from New York and LA, which will <laughs> at some point happen. So I'm surprised that it hasn't, but it hasn't, you know, I'm still able to, but I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And I knew it was coming from very early, probably 2008, 2009. When, when people were campaigning to get random house to drop me for being an evangelical, they didn't explain it even any more than that. You know, wow. And there, there are other wild slanders, but that was it. That was the only thing they needed me to not be was evangelical. Uh, And it's, so I'm. It's it's interesting to say, like, why isn't this communion every time I hand somebody a chocolate chip cookie? That's like, well, because you know what? God made the world a little broader than that, and he, this is fantastic. Like he he invented these flavors for us to discover and and offer kids with milk. You know, it's like <laughs> this is, um, you know, when you when you perfectly reverse sear a, a you know a tri tip or something like that. And then somebody looks at you and says, but is this communion?
0: The it's only like, answer is to like shove it yeah, it's into like, their mouth. <laughs> like, like,
1: no, it's not. But you have to but, taste it. But all of this goodness, all truth, goodness, and beauty is downstream from and, and imitative of yeah. uh, our our Father in heaven and everything he made and is all blessed and,
0: and even possible uh, through Christ. So... And com- what communion has become is—is is this spiritually healthy? Yeah. And at that point, the answer is yeah, yeah, exactly. Is stuff- this—is
1: this spiritually good for? Is this good for? And put it this way: Is this good for the whole man? Is this good? Right. Mind, body, soul.
0: Yes, because he made it. You know. Yeah.
1: Is this is this good across the board? Is this true? Is this good? Is this beautiful? Is what you should be asking when people are serving a, a normal meal of mm-hmm. of. uh narrative inspiration, you know, a narrative meal. And I actually think it's really important that families eat together, break bread together, but it's but it's also important that they do that with their narrative meals. So you want to have families sit down and break bread together when they're consuming soul food, stories are soul food, but you also, just as much as when they're, they're sitting down having Saturday night dinner together. Right. Commune. Like it is, you can commune without being in communion you are still one body and you're still eating together breaking bread together, thanking God together, questioning what you're what you're seeing, asking what it's saying and is it true engaging, getting stronger and using these meals to be improved and to grow mm-hmm. And so why do we tell fantasy stories? why do we you know publish fiction at all? Uh, because we're a restaurant. And that's, you know, what restaurants do. We're not just a Christian GNC selling vitamins and and protein powders to very specifically uh, address faults and failings. We do that too. There's a lot of direct practical Christian teaching. There's a lot of direct instruction. There's a lot of Sunday school, but there has to be more than that. There has to be just meals and the breaking of bread
0: as well. Okay. So applying that to Jesus Re- revolution do you think the animating i was I was looking at the movie do you think the animating feature or animating theme of that movie is an exploration of can you do whatever you want because it seems like both you know it's like structure it's rigor versus freedom it's the hippie versus the square, but applied to religion right isn't that kind of the tension the movie opens with because we have Chuck in his church. And he has a number who are not willing for the hippies. And then the hip, yeah. Lonnie also is on the other side. So Lonnie wants there to be absolutely no right restriction. So in that sense, it's another one that is hard to balance or a tension that can't be fully resolved.
1: So I, I think the way it works is you have people coming from different places and those people uh, reject and accept. You know, they... okay. You know, from from different places, they reject and accept the answer. And so there's hippies who reject the answer. They they throw off uh, the, the squareness of society, hmm. but then are just in chaos of drugs and sex and everything else. Right. And they yeah. reject the truth. Having created a vacuum from removing old idols in their lives, they still don't find the right answer, and they move into chaos. So you have people coming from... From there and then you have people like the joel courtney character who's his little military cadet outfit and he's coming from uh a a kind of an interesting journey of familial chaos into arbitrary order and rigidity to try to you know address that and then he's taking that all off and becoming a hippie and that doesn't give him the answer either so he he moves you know kind of around the world until he actually embraces the true you know, the true answer. And you see that coming from different places. You see, you know, father-daughter relationship that's broken, father-daughter relationship that looks like a stereotype, but turns out to be a legitimate concern. You've got, you're you're bouncing around and everybody's coming past the answer. So it's like, you think about the truth sitting at a crossroads and there's roads, mm. you know, it's a, it's a big spaghetti intersection of all these different roads and people coming from different directions. And the truth is sitting there. And some people get there, find it, embrace it. Others just
0: continue on. And uh, others are shouting at people on other roads. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, Hey, you can't
1: yep. come and to And yeah, the there's all sorts of competitiveness and there's, uh, yep. there's uh proclamation and so on. And you've got Lonnie pushing too far and continuing on and, and bringing in too much. And, you know, and you've got all that kind of tension. Uh, but it's, it's really like all these different relationships and characters, in their response to a moment of upheaval and this big question of what is the truth yeah. and that is the theme is what is the truth okay kathy so, and
0: kathy overtly states that of course
1: yeah, it's overtly stated but it's stated in uh on the news when it's covering mm-hmm. you know the hippies like what is truth and and that one of the hippies actually is even saying that's we're just trying to find the truth like that's Yeah, You know, that's, that's all we're trying to do. Everybody's on this big truth scavenger hunt from all these different perspectives. And so there's people who say they embrace the truth sitting in their little church all buttoned up. And when it rolls in, they head out. They don't want anything to do with it Mm -hmm. uh, because it's messier than they, they would like, you know, there's, there's all these different reactions to the truth Mm -hmm. and different people trying to handle it and manage it, you know, possess it, be it. Uh, and so there's unhealthy reactions and healthy reactions and it's, and it's all in response to that, that question.
0: The Greg character is interesting. So this is, I guess the movies, uh, he wrote the book, right? So Greg Laurie yeah. wrote his own story that the movie then came from and watching him be handed a pastorate at 19 or whatever it is, yep. you know, to me as a, an uptight reformed Presbyterian, yeah. I'm going to be like, I don't think that's great, but I, I don't know. I went back. Two centuries, century and a half, and realized Spurgeon was handed his pastor yep. at nineteen. And I was reading through a collection of the vic- late Victorian poets, and a lot of them, like Christian poets, were becoming yep. pastors at that age. Yep. And it was interesting to me. Just to, and it frequently
1: went badly. Yeah, but yeah. that's but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, there's kind of this weird. I mean, the parable of the sower is this way: it's so incautious. Yeah, you know the way the seed you just is just—it's it just thrown everywhere. <laughs> You've just thrown the seed everywhere, and don't you realize some of this is going to die? <laughs> you know, yeah. some of this isn't going to work. Yeah, some of this is going to be shallow soil. Like, yeah. yes, absolutely. But throw that seed, everywhere. and then and
0: then I think Chuck when he, you know, when he got burned by Lonnie and then pushed said Greg, you know, yeah. pulled him out and then realized he was doing that. Yep. He was operating out of fear. I thought that was a that was interesting. I that was a that was an interesting moment.
1: It really was. I do I do think that in times of intense change and upheaval, uh, age and qualification kind of stops mattering. Yeah. You know, it's in chaos and apocalypse and and disruption. You think about in World War II, you think about in the in the war for independence, were were there ever underqualified people in command? <laughs> like yeah. yes and you don't get to look at the dude who's now in charge and be like hey you're too young for this it's like yeah you no doubt but through. guess what all the officers just blew up right like they're yeah they're gone he's <laughs> he has to step up and there's plenty of times like that where where people are just the call of the moment and what the holy spirit decides to do you know with you is not something we get to scold right you know but there are plenty of times people say, God's telling me to do this. And you're like, yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> and no, he's not. I know him also. And, he, and <laughs> he, he would never say that. And he wouldn't do that. But the problem is we frequently, and this is reflected in the film, try to paint God in our own image instead of shaping ourselves in his. And so we have scruples. And so we project them. We, God cares a lot about the carpet. You know, God cares a lot about not damaging the carpet because yeah. I care about not damaging the carpet. It's like, no, he actually really, really doesn't yeah uh care about your carpet yeah at, at all yeah and, and that and that shows up and is great in the film i think it's one of the best moments in the film is the old dude worried about the carpet and then we show back up to find the pastor washing feet before they all come in so they don't ruin the carpet right you know it's yeah like, yeah point made <laughs> um right so it's it's uh it's a really good film and it is one of the best faith films and i've heard Strong cases made that Chariots of Fire is not a faith film. And it's entirely based on the fact that it's, you know, an Academy Award winner and was not marketed as such. It was right. marketed as a great movie. Right. Uh, and the the story of two sprinters, not uh not a faith film. It right. did not get pushed that way. And then received accolades and secular success and everything else. So if that's the case, then this might be the best faith film that i, I, I already admitted, I already admitted I haven't really watched fay films right so i'm I'm hardly <laughs> super qualified but I would still say it's one of the best then I would slot chariots of fire at the top
0: yeah that's great uh you know I think one of the themes that we talk about often is how do you let that kid your kid take the next step without sandbagging them and I felt yeah. like you know, the the Chuck Greg distinction. Is that a Biden?
1: Here. Is that a Biden reference? Are you sandbagging them on the head or are you putting it at his feet?
0: <laughs> Sandbags, uh, what is the reference? That's like you slow yourself down. I got
1: sandbagged, says Joe Biden, he falls down. <laughs> I the got sandbagged.
0: No, I wasn't referencing Joe, but I did <laughs> see that video. He did just fall down again, didn't he? He did pretty dramatically. Yeah. And then there was cheering.
1: Oh man. We're in a bad place. Yeah. So the old man fell down. And as I, Raymond Arroyo commented, I'm, I am about to guzzle some coffee, but I won't want to finish this thought. Uh, when the press secretary said, you know, he didn't have to see a doctor. It's like, you know, he's 80. If you didn't have a doctor check him out after a bad fall, then you are negligent. <laughs> like, it's, like, this is trying to say that he didn't have to see the doctor after stacking on stage. It's like, you know. Oof. Anyway, we're distracted now. Sandbagging. Don't sandbag your kids or your old presidents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sand uh, totally. Sorry, totally distracted. Yeah, no. Now we lost the thought. Who lost it? It's yeah. my fault. No, it's good. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's not. No, the 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 thought is just, you know, one thing I've appreciated about a lot of the people, a lot of the adults that I've got to know is they're not competitive with younger people. Right. Right. So instead of like Chuck, they're willing to give craig an opportunity. Right. Rather than that competitive nature, which which Lonnie clearly felt with chuck yep. you know lonnie wa- did want it to be about him he wanted th- it to be a contest and I, and I think that's where we should move to now like what is what's the movie glosses over a lot of lonnie's flaws uh, uh yeah. like the real life doesn't is much, dive doesn't dive all the way into the darkness sure is much yeah. darker than that and i think it, they handled it really well for yeah. the audience they want it was a reach.
1: light touch but they didn't say this is all that's there right they gave you the
0: impression there's a lot more there's demons there i mean you watch the movie and you know they're going to get divorced right the yeah. lonnie and his wife they just yep. you can see that's a, a crack right there yeah even though the movie doesn't feel the need what is lonnie's flaw or i guess what are we supposed to do with the lonnie character Maybe, uh, what does the film want us to do with the Lonnie character? Well,
1: I think the film honestly shows us that Lonnie confuses his own impulses with God's desire. The Holy Spirit, yeah. And uh, he's a man who, in his own darkness, did not have control of his passions, did not have control of his impulses. And we see that in how he functions yeah. up front as a minister. And they do reveal that, that he he wants to attribute like divine authority to the the motivations of his flesh, so grandstanding, yeah so, you know selfishness, sexual temptation, right like he, this is about he did me. not have yep. so, tying this back to what we we're seeing at the beginning, he did not have the ability to control himself, he did not have the ability to rein himself in uh in you know and subject himself and submit himself to the clear authoritative word of scripture, like where it's perfectly clear. And he would not, and he would not disagree with it. He did not have the self control, the ability to submit to it. Mm. Uh, and up front, when he was leading the show, you know, stuff worked. He felt the movement of the spirit, and he followed it, and he obeyed it, and there was great fruit. And then he felt the movement of his own flesh, and attributed that to the spirit, and mm. wanted to follow that as well. Mm. And uh, that's ultimately where his flaws were: was just a lack of self control and a confusion of his right. desires with right. God's desires, which is as bad a mistake as you can make. And is one that I think that every human being can relate to. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, I thought also too, it was when revolution or a reformation happens, like Jesus revolution, I guess, Jesus reformation, when it happens, it's a return to the Bible. And I thought the movie yeah. showed that really yep. well of saying, yep. it's return this is the to the word, word of God. God. Yeah. Let's open it together, and and you know I think we're you know we pray that we're due for another one here. Well, we're due. Um, <laughs> just will it arrive on time? <laughs> we're due for a, a, a revival or destruction, one or the other. Yep. And so let's start opening some so Bibles.
1: We're we're in the tomb rotting, and we're either going to get called out, and told to take the burial clothes off, or we're just going to rot. <laughs> like yeah, one it's one or the other. Yep. At this point. <laughs> yeah. They've had us in this hole for three days. <laughs> Something's got to happen soon. Right. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought, and now I'm just a, the grab bag of things that I had thought while watching the movie. But I thought they did a good job of capturing that hippie life too, because it did not look enjoyable for long. No. And it was, you know, you show up at Lonnie's house where they've taken over. Yeah. And Chuck and his wife wanting to have them move out. I mean, those are all, those are the feelings you have watching it. Yep, And they're accurate as yep. opposed to glorifying it in some kind of way that a lot of other pippy. you know, why don't you yep. just, why don't you just accept it? Let someone live in your house for as long as you want.
1: There's, there's a shed that has been moved once. It used to be kind of in the heart of town next to this rental property, right adjacent in on an alley next to the high school, Moscow high school. Uh, it's now out on the North side of town by a little farmhouse and It's still, the inside is still entirely painted uh, with cartoons and Bible verses that my uncle uh, painted when he was, I think, still a teenager. Um, And this was called God's Garage. Mm. And there's all these, you know, punk kids in the 70s who were trying to smoke on campus, and and the school was saying that they couldn't, and they had to go off campus to smoke. And so my grandfather told them all these high school kids you can smoke in my garage. Mm. And I'm sure all the other parents really appreciated this, but he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, the smoking lounge is my garage. So you won't get busted for being underage smoking on the sidewalk and you won't get busted for smoking on the school campus. You can go to Jim Wilson's uh garage mm. off his alley and smoke." And it was all the smokers went into went into the, his garage to smoke. And the deal was that like I think it was like no cussing, and you had to listen, <laughs> and it's like so he just you know hit the smoker's brakes, and my uncle painted the inside, and there's a very real there's a very real way in which that was the beginning in our town, so if we go pre body shop, mm-hmm. we go back like we go back before my dad was just banging on a guitar up front before that hippie pastor took off, like. Back that up, and we we end up finding a bunch of punks
0: smoking in a garage. It's a very Jesus Revolution moment, Yeah, right? Yeah. Because for sure all the parents would be like, no, don't let them smoke yeah. in your my, garage. Yeah, my
1: grandfather looking past the smoking and, and, and looking at the more important thing of what they really need. A field ripe for harvest. Yeah, and yeah. so he just was preaching at a bunch of smokers and provided the smoke break. And so I I would love to acquire this shed at some point and get it onto my property, but it's, it's sitting comfortably where it is. And, (laughs) and we took a camera in not too many years ago and, and documented on the inside of it. But it's uh it's weird. That, that's kind of like, there's that, that first congregation, the first group really getting preached to There's a bunch of high school kids smoking illegally in my grandfather's garage (laughs) and that kind of messiness, you know, that, is is uh, historically the way God has operated? Yeah, you know it's never tidy. You know it's it's always like something fermenting.
0: So here, here's here's this. We can end with this. So one of the questions of the film is if that messiness is what you know the spirit is a field. You mm-hmm. know, a, a plowed field ready to to grow a huge harvest. Or the movie asks, what would it take for you to be desperate? right? That's Lonnie's original question to yeah. to Chuck, I think. Um, do we need to pursue that desperation more? You know, those of us, you know, me much more, not at all a hippie, right? Pretty yeah. buttoned up as far as that goes. A little bit of a hipster. <laughs> a little bit. Hipster trad, as our <laughs> critics have said. <laughs> um, uh, how do you do that, that move? Because it would be, You know, just because I think it's a, the my answer would be that it's a fallacy to say that because disorganization, desperation is what leads to the, you know, it's not the thing that the spirit needs. This
1: This is always the, this is the Charles Finney approach is, do you try to conjure something up and you, do you affirm the consequent? Yeah. You know, and say, God is not tidy. When he, when the spirit moves, it's never tidy. Therefore, Therefore, let's let's not be tidy. Let's be a mess. And maybe that'll get him to move. And it's like, no, that's that's just not how this works. Um, Right. So it's, you know, we can't affirm the consequent like that. It's fundamentally fallacious to say, let's be really wildly disruptive and chaotic. Like, because that also ends in sorrow. Mm -hmm. It's more like the walls come down when when god really like takes a city the walls fall down mm. when he decides this city is mine um and so we don't want to just say therefore we want to kick down all walls let's go just knock walls down everywhere we go it's like that's well to what end there's plenty of times we're supposed to be building there's times when god comes and and you know everything comes tumbling down and and you know joshua fit the battle of jericho <laughs> and everything's exciting and tumultuous and chaotic because the Israelites are pouring in and, Mm -hmm. you know, and Jericho is taken, but that's just not how we're supposed to go around. You know, you you don't have the 14 year old kid trying to destroy the kitchen wall and knock it down because that's what God did to Jericho. So we should do it too. It's like, that's not. Yeah. 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 We're not supposed to just be agents of chaos and disruption. Great. So anyway, there we go. And I'd say after this, uh, we're going to talk about Jojo Rabbit. This will be close together. So you won't be waiting long. We stalled and stalled and stalled because I, I was holding out hope that we'd get John. We it turned out we didn't need him. We did a great job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why did we even try to get him? But then now uh, we're we're bouncing down to Jojo Rabbit. Probably next week we'll talk about Jojo Rabbit. So get it watched. Um, if yeah. you already have, you can watch our next film, which we can announce today. Yeah. Uh, Escape from Pretoria. So starring Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe, sorry.
0: Um that's Harry Potter for those of you yeah, who don't follow. Escape actors. from
1: Pretoria. So that one is our next lamp, and I'm picking it because most of you probably have not seen it. Yep. And it's uh well,
0: we'll talk about it. We'll talk through it. Yeah. More advice next
1: time. Yeah. That one and Escape from Pretoria does not need filters. So there you go. Yeah, I don't Good. think I don't think you'll find it filtered. Um it's, it's uh it's great. It's it's a great, great little film. I'm looking forward to talking about it. There we go.
0: You know that now is the time when I like to thank you for being a SASF listener and also show you something cool that we've been working at uh, at Canopress. And what I'm holding right now, if you can, or if you're only listening in audio, you won't be able to see this. You'll have to listen to the sound But if you're watching on Canon Plus, and if you're a subscriber, you can see I'm holding a Christ is Lord box. Go to ChristisLord.com to see why we're trying to put up a billboard that says Christ is Lord in your area and why that's making certain sad sections of the internet very upset. Of course, it's true, and so we got some fun stuff inside. Again, if you're just listening, hear the wonderful sounds. We got stickers. We got bumper stickers. We have, yeah, they say Christ is Lord too. We've got a wartime songbook, But of course, the most important part of this box is the Mere Christendom book, which I have to say, is one of the most pretty books you're going to see. Check out that foil on the cover, the elegant cross on it. And of course, a signature from Douglas Wilson. What is Mere Christendom? Well, basically, it's the declaration of the book that Christ conquered the West the first time, and this is how he's going to do it again. So, ChristIsLord.com, buy the book, check out the billboards, and enjoy. You know that now is the time when I like to thank you for being a SASF listener, and also show you something cool that we've been working at uh, at Cana Press. And what I'm holding right now, if you can, or if you're only listening in audio, you won't be able to see this. You'll have to listen to the sound. But if you're watching on Canon Plus, and if you're a subscriber, you can see I'm holding a Christ is Lord box. Go to ChristisLord.com to see why we're trying to put up a billboard that says Christ is Lord in your area, and why that's making certain sad sections of the internet very upset. Of course, it's true. And so we got some fun stuff inside. Again, if you're just listening, hear the wonderful sounds. We got stickers. We got bumper stickers. We have, yeah, they say Crisis Lord, too. We've got a wartime songbook, But of course, the most important part of this box is the Mere Christendom book, which I have to say is one of the most pretty books you're going to see. Check out that foil on the cover, the elegant cross on it. And of course, a signature from Douglas Wilson. What is Mere Christendom? Well, basically, it's the declaration of the book that Christ conquered the West the first time, and this is how he's going to do it again. So, ChristIsLord.com, buy the book, check out the billboards, and enjoy.